on this episode of AV Week, using the World Cup to launch product, Sony goes after Dolby Atmos and software-centric product development. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 357, recorded Wednesday, June 27, 2018. The world is watching. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by... Sure, because every voice matters. And by Christy Digital. And by Harmon International. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to talk about the news and information this week, uh, we're doing this a little bit special, a little bit different. Uh, so I owe uh, Miss Corey Schaefer something because uh, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, my time, because I'm an idiot and I don't understand math. It is 6 a.m. on the West Coast. So thank you very much, Miss Corey Schaefer from QSC. It's a pleasure to be here so bright and early. I know. So I'll explain that in a few minutes. Uh, on the other side of the world, and this is why we're doing this so early, uh, first and foremost, Mr. Neville Bounds from Feltech. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm very well. And I'm not complaining because it's just gone two o'clock in the afternoon here. So it's perfect for me. <laughs> All right. Since we're doing time checks, the last gentleman here uh, is Garish. Uh, Garish is from Grand Tech. Uh, so where are you, Garish? And, and what time is it there, I guess? Uh, yeah. So, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's 5 p.m. in the evening. Um, and it's probably about 45 degrees outside, so I'm, I'm glad to be in the office. And you're in, you're in Dubai right now, you're not in, because Grish has a couple different companies, so you're in Dubai, right? Correct, yes, I'm in Dubai. All right, very good. And this, this may be very well be the, the biggest time adjustment we've had uh, in, in the seven years we've done this. So, um, so let's do this real quick. Let's get the stories up and running and First and foremost, not for nothing, but if you are a, a citizen of the of the uh, of the globe, uh, honestly, right now the World Cup is one of the biggest sports stories. At least um, in the U.S., we don't have a team, so we all kind of you know choose our own. Um, my second team <laughs> didn't make it either, so I'm I'm actually you know rooting for for the the, the English team, Neville. Um, so, but but it is the biggest. It, every four years, the World Cup happens. It's, it's huge. It's ginormous. Folks, you know, come from all over the world to go to it. Uh, the story we're using though is from AV uh, AV Magazine, and a, a Shenzhen-based um, company is actually using the World Cup as a product launch, quote unquote. Um, a Shenzhen-based uh, LED display technology company has held a product launch and customer training session in Moscow time to take place just before the opening ceremony of the World Cup. Corey, I'm going to start with you on this. You, you travel the world for QSC. You go to ISC typically every year. Events like that that are not necessarily AV-centric or even technology-centric, does it make sense to, to go to where the people are, right? Uh, go where there's a massive of audience and, and a, a, the world is watching, the media is watching. Does that make sense yeah. to there and, and, and you know, you know, launch your product and, and do some customer stuff? Well, when I read this, I just actually thought it was brilliant because obviously it's the most watched event in the world. Uh, Russia is an emerging market, uh, as mentioned in the story. 
And, uh, and it opened with the fact that um, they even sold the sample screen that they were, you know, leveraging this launch on. So to, to be able to create demand and to show it in, a, um, in an event that, you know, most of the world is watching, it, I, I actually think it's brilliant because it, it creates that pull through. I mean, you know, many times us manufacturers, we go to um, Grish and our uh, Neville, our integrators, and we ask, you know, we show you and then we want you to bring it to the customer. But to be able to have a customer see it and watch it and do that pull through, I actually think is really brilliant. And again, in an emerging market. So not the typical markets we would do a launch in. Yeah, Neville, Corey makes a really good point that, you know, Russia is still an, an emerging market. Is this something where you could, you know, from an integrator standpoint, partner with or, or support a manufacturer who maybe comes to your town or is helping you trying to, you know, get into an emerging market or, or a new vertical? Yeah, very much so, Tim. And of course, the problem we've got these these days, and everybody's the same, I guess, we're all so busy when the manufacturers come to us, there's hardly anybody at the office because we're all out doing our jobs. But when there's a big event on in town like this, um, then it's absolutely relevant, um, especially when there's end user involved as well, and especially when there's high-end new technology being spoken about. So it's a superb opportunity. And uh, I, I think this is going to set the tone for, for more of this kind of thing in the future. All right, Gary, Neville makes a good point, setting the tone for this stuff in the future. What other events around the world? Obviously, the World Cup happens once every four years, so you obviously can't do a World Cup every year. But you, know, you have the Olympics, you have the World Cup, you have other high-profile sporting events and other you know, um, events that are not necessarily sports-related. So whether it's, it's in the Middle East or whether it's in India or, or, or Asia or even in uh, EMEA, what other events do you think that, that would make sense for in, in both integrators and for manufacturers to, again, go where the people are? Yeah, uh, so, so the world's richest horse race happens uh, in Dubai, right? Uh, that could be an exciting the event. Yeah, the world's richest uh, okay. uh, uh, in terms of the prize money. Uh, that happens in Dubai. Um, so yeah, you know, and, and it's you know, it's of course it's it's not comparable to the to the football which is happening the soccer, uh, and I thought too that it's a very very exciting time to do product launches and and you know these technologies are actually used uh, in in many of these facilities uh, to watch these matches over over the satellite or over the internet. Uh, in terms of streaming, you know, so I, I, I honestly believe that they, they seize the opportunity to do this. All right, very good. Uh, next story up here comes to us from AV Interactive. Sony launches their Sonic Surf VR uh, immersive spatial audio system. Uh, at Infocom 2018, they introduced a suite, quote unquote, of spatial audio technology combined with new multi-channel speakers and specifically developed software designed to simulate placing moving and partitioning sounds in one space. Neville, I'll start with you on this. This sounds an awful lot to me, like Dolby Atmos, which if you're not familiar with Dolby Atmos, it's multi-channel, there's several speakers, it's designed to do spacing and movement and stuff like that. Two questions here, Neville. Um, first of all, does it sound like Dolby Atmos to you? Do you think this is Sony going after Atmos? And secondly, I, I love Sony, do not misunderstand, don't send me emails on this. But is this one of those things where Sony is just kind of putting something out there like they have in the past to see if there's interest and if there's not, they'll pull it back and go, oh, we never really did that. 
Yeah, they've got to be careful. They don't do a Me Too product here, haven't they? Yeah. Because there has been a bit of, uh, they have had a bit of previous form in this area, especially in uh, video conferencing, I, I would say. This does feel like a bit of an Atmos um, uh, alternative, shall we say, but actually there's plenty of market for this stuff. And certainly in visitor centers, exhibition areas, tourist uh, zones, this kind of stuff, I think is a great opportunity. So I did actually go and see this and it was impressive. And uh, there's always uh, more um, possibility uh, worldwide to, to sell this kind of solution. Looks like I didn't get a, a priced point on it, but it looks as though as long as you're dealing with the content properly and you've got a good way of making it all work, I think it could be a good solution. But uh, yeah, but they could be testing the market. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether this is, whether this is a long-term uh, investment for them, see how it goes. Yeah, yeah but where did you see the product? Was it at Infocom or? Yes, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had seen it. I didn't see it there. Yeah, it was it was impressive. Um, it, I think Neville, the reason you didn't see a, a a price because that's one of the other things that Sony is is historic about doing, is in at least in the first couple phases of of, of kind of testing the market, they don't they don't give a price. Um, it figure out you know they, they can I guess they figure that out later. Um, Grish Neville, uh, Neville uh, mentioned that there's several markets for this, um, whether that's VR or that's you know an actual home theater or possibly into uh, movie, you know, cinema uh, displays and cinema installations. What other markets does it make sense for this uh, to, be, to be looked at and considered at least from a, a design standpoint? Obviously it's not ready yet, so you know, maybe you know, look at something that's a year or two down the road. Yeah, uh, so I, ha I had the opportunity to see it as well and it was quite impressive. Uh, and I believe that uh, from an integrator's point of view that there's a lot of opportunity that will exist in the experience centers. Uh, and, and in the museum arenas, you know, and especially uh, in the space kind of museums where they build, uh, you know, experience centers to bring in uh, visitors so that they can really get not only a visual treat, but a real audio treat as well if that is properly integrated. And as I said, is it ready yet? But these are the opportunities that can be built uh, over a period of time. All right, Corey. Um, again, Corey works for QSC. When you when you guys start looking at products like this, because there, there's there's not for nothing, but QSC eventually will have to process this this information. Is this something where, um, again, and not trying to, to bash Sony, but again, they they have a history of of kind of pushing things out there and seeing if there's availability. Do you guys wait until it's really available on the market to start having conversations with them, or is it something where? oh, hey, that looks cool. Maybe we should start the conversation before they even put a price on it and start making it available. No, I think we, because our development team, you know, just isn't sitting around, you know, uh, with nothing to do, uh, we typically wait till, uh, number one, not, we want to see the market adoption. And most importantly, we want to hear from our customers and hear what their uh, questions and needs are. And honestly, our development team is incredibly agile about bringing features and functionality to product. I can tell you, that I met with a client in April and they had some issues about QSYS and some things that they wanted to have in that. And it's actually being adopted in a release at the end of June. So, I mean, that's how agile QSC can be and has been, you know, on this, I, I actually feel like um, for the applications they're talking about with the experience centers, the museums and so on, you know, this would be an amazing um, technology to bring to the visitor. Um, my history prior to joining QSD, we had, um, I worked for a company where we offered 
individual headsets and things like that that brought interpretation and tour guide, et cetera. And as a visitor to a museum, you just don't want to use something like that because of the sanitary issues. And if you are a museum and you're handing those out, you're concerned about getting those back and, and managing your inventory. So I feel like, um, you know, if this were to come to market, um, it, they definitely would have customers for it. Real, real quickly, uh, Corey, I want to bring back something you said about your, your, your development team, the how agile yeah. they are. Yeah. Is, is that honestly um, based on the fact that Q, QSC and QSIS is moving more towards a software-based platform? You guys are able to say, oh, you know what, it, not, not, not being uh, silly here, but it's, it's just software. So we can you know, kind of adjust things and, and then you know, softly push it out. Is that because it's based on software as opposed to you know, hardware-centric um, platforms? 100%, yes. And so we've got, you know, this, this group that is always focused, you know, they're just looking at features and functionality via software. And so, and often when customers are asking for things, you typically, you know, we don't just jump because one customer asked for it, but you know, you, you get enough customers looking at it and, and then you throw it over to this team. And they're like, I mean, I, I'm shocked at how often they're saying, yes, it's possible. Yes, it's doable, et cetera. And our challenge now is uh, throwing th or putting things in the software and having releases that are um, um, that are quarterly versus you know monthly or weekly, et cetera, you know, you know, and having these these well-timed releases so that we can promote the changes in the software. But yeah, because it's a software platform, it allows us to be so much more agile. All right, very good. Uh, last story here actually comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. Uh, happens to do with with, with QSC. Uh, full disclosure: I, I use a TouchMix. I don't use the TouchMix 30, which is what the story is about. But we use a TouchMix 16. Uh, we were on the road. If you were, if you happen to come by the AV Nation studio at Infocom, you would have seen our our TouchMix uh, 16 there. Um, awesome. But you guys have come out with a new thing for the TouchMix 30, uh, the TouchMix 30 Pro. It's, it's auto, uh, automatic uh, microphone mixing. Uh, quote, unquote, the TouchMix Pro automatic uh, microphone mixing fixture is a component of the latest firmware update for, again, for the TouchMix Pro, but it offers uh, mix auto mix functionality, delivering advanced gain sharing capabilities to audio uh, professionals. Corey, simple question here. Why is that important? Why, why is auto mixing of microphones important? Boy, you know, the vertical that we're after with the TouchMix Pro is, um, you know, the many things listed there, which, you know, one would be corporate events, panel discussion, things like that, and be able to have the microphones adjust for free-flowing discussion in something like that is is a really great feature. And I'm, I am going to gravitate a bit to software. The fact that users have purchased this product and then have this feature delivered to them via software, that really is the mode and direction of QSC, meaning in we try to do as much as we can in software and have that be something downloadable so that if a customer invests in this solution, it serves them well over time as we develop new features and functionality. So, I mean, ideally that's what we feel the customer, we want the customer to be served well over time, not just develop a new box, a new, you know, um, connector on the back and they have to purchase a whole new product. Yeah, real quickly about that, both from the, the, the TouchMix side, and we also use uh, Bodio uh, Matrix Mix as well. And, and both of those products, um, we've, we've, ha we've seen functionality increase over the last two years based on your know, software development and firmware pushes out. Um, Neville, from a, an integrator standpoint, uh, feature, you know, getting something like this and being able to sell it or, 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 or either use it 
uh, in your own productions, how important is it that you know, they're able to, like Corey said, from a software standpoint, continually update and make improvements to that product? Yeah, I think it's essential, actually, Tim. And th- we're seeing this a lot, aren't we, across the board with people just uh, downloading license keys or, or firmware updates. It has to be the way that the platform works because as the manufacturers come out with more and more functionality, and they're not just coming out with new functionality every you know, three or four years where you might want to buy a new piece of hardware. They're, they're coming out with it, as Corey said, quarterly or, or even more than that, possibly. So actually, the, the firmware updatability for this kind of thing is really important, and it can bring a whole load of extra functionality uh, to a platform which has still got, you know, three, four, five years of life left in it. Let me ask you this, Neville, and I, and Garish, I'm going to ask you the same question. It, it, when it comes to selling products, though, how, how do you sell a product then that, that you that may or may not have functionality or maybe you, you've heard from the, the manufacturer in the background, you can tell your customer, look, you know what, it doesn't have this yet, but we're being told or we're being promised in six months or a year. It does. Is, is there any sort of, of, I don't know, hesitation or or... Um, kind of uh, caveats you have to put when you're dealing with your customers and go, you know what, you, you need to buy this now because in X amount of months or years, it's going to have this and, you, and you're going to love that. Yeah, it's a very difficult one to call. And I think you've got to be really careful with those sort of conversations because uh, with the greatest respect to Corey and all the manufacturers out there, you never quite know when this stuff's going to come off the line. And, uh, you know, um, sometimes it's six months and sometimes it's a year and sometimes it's two years and sometimes it's And sometimes, I was just going to say, and sometimes it's never. (laughs) Yeah, so I think think some some careful wording and actually managing everybody's expectations here. I think it'd be wrong to, to buy a product on the basis that something might come in six months' time. But I think in general terms, the manufacturers that we're speaking to, and QSC are one of them, uh, they're always listening uh, for new ideas, new information, and also feeding back to us, you know, what sort of uh, functionality would you like? And uh, those sort of conversations are very valuable indeed. Yeah, Grish, that actually would be my next question is, is what is the communication system like? Um, you know, whether it's, it's QSC or it's another manufacturer, um, when you're, you're going, okay, can, can we get this? You know, what is that communication like? And then how do you, how do you translate that again, back to your customers? Yeah. So I, I couldn't agree more with Neville. So you've got to be really, really careful in communicating what the expectations are and, and then be able to set the expectations, right. Uh, you know, with the, with the customers. And especially when you, when you commit something, you know, it, it's almost like a kid in a candy store. The customer wants, wants everything, right. So it's, it's really uh, very, very important to set that expectation and, and then be able to you know, drive that from there. So it's, uh, to me, yes. Uh, so what we tend to do is ideally we, we tend to wait for a couple of good case studies so that we basically de-risk that. Um, of course, there are always early adopters, but in an emerging market like ours, uh, we always tend to wait for a couple of good case studies so that we can start, start proposing this from an integrator's point of view. All right, very interesting. Um, I, I'm actually, one, one last question here, guys, as we, as we wrap up here. All three of you were, were at Infocom this year. Uh, Garish was at Infocom, Neville was at Infocom, and obviously Corey with, with QSC. Uh, but, but Garish and, and Neville, I want to get your take because both of you also attend ISC. Actually, so does Corey, and so do I. But Garish, I want to start with you on this. Can you kind of give folks who have been maybe only to Infocom or maybe only to ISC I'm not asking you to say one is better than the other, but just a comparison contrast between the two and benefits of, of you coming from, from you know, um, not only in India, but also from Dubai for coming to, to the show here in the States. 
yeah, uh, uh, you know, we got to be staying update with with every every kind of information which is available. You know, but for the twenty three hours of flying to get in the United States, rest everything is is really really good. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, for for us, both these shows are are, are important, uh, and we tend to represent these. Um, uh, but you know what I feel is the the infocom uh, in the U.S. is is more U.S. centric, uh, which is which is a good thing, not a bad thing, because a lot of new uh, you know technology. So I was I was asked a question some time ago. Uh, uh, you know, in an emerging market, do we follow a, a matured market? And the answer is yes. You know, so some of the new installations uh, that happens in the United States or in the Europe or in the U.K. Uh, which has gone through this, you know, uh, and then we bring it back into our markets. Uh, so it's, yeah, so for us, it's extremely important to be present and be aware. Uh, you know, I'm not definitely going to put one against each other. Both of us, both of these shows are important. Yeah. Bruce, do you see things at Infocom that you, you don't see at ISC? Uh, not really, you know. Uh, so I do see them uh, at both locations, but... Uh, in fact, I see more things in ISC uh, than at the Infocom. Got it. Um, Neville, same kind of question to you is, is, is you know, what was your experience as someone coming from the UK uh, coming to Vegas this year? Yeah, it's always great on the West Coast, apart from the fact it's a little bit too hot. Uh, but from the show point of view, I think it was one of the best infocoms ever. From my point of view, the aisles are so much wider. The, there's obviously not so many uh, halls, so you can actually bump into people quite regularly. And that's something which is, ISC has become a problem in a sense that obviously it's a 45 minute flight for me to go to Amsterdam, so it's perfect. But actually, a lot of people have said to me, Nev, were you actually there? And I went, yeah, I was there the whole week and you would never bump into people. That's not the same for infocom at all. And I also think being on the West Coast every two years, uh, that's a big advantage for the Asia Pacific region. Certainly, people from Australia and New Zealand so you get a lot more people coming from there. They're they're very different shows actually, and the vibe is certainly different. Uh, both shows. It'd be difficult to say that one was better than the other, but I must say my uh, my infocom experience this year was particularly good. I thought. All right, very good, Miss um, Jaffrey. If you want to weigh in on on, on either one, because you as you and I are, are the Americans here going over to ISC, you know, your experience as a manufacturer and exhibitor going to both? You know, I would say my experience is at ISC, although it's a larger show, as a manufacturer, I feel that I get more time with each visitor that comes. So, you know, you're sitting down, you're having coffee, you're actually having really great dialogue. I mean, so much more time. I feel that at the Infocom show, um, it's, you know, um, people are just in a big rush to get to the next, the next, and the next. And I actually would love to see Infocom add another day because I, I just felt, I know I, I, people are going to hate me, but I just feel that, uh, there's, it's just getting, there's so much, I mean, with Tide center stage, uh, the, you know, there's just so much to see. And quite frankly, this year, I just didn't get to see it. Yeah. No, and it, it, you were not the first nor the last person to say that Infocom should go to four days. So, um, yeah, every year, um, and I, I will, I will get uh, the conversation with with the folks there at at, at Avixa, and, and yeah, that's one of the most most common questions they say that they've gotten is is the two questions is you know when are you going to settle on one on one city? They're not. Um, right. <laughs> when are you going to go to 
to four days. And that, that's a continual conversation. And honestly, it, they, what, according to them, according to Vic said, that's a conversation they have, number one, with their manufacturers, the exhibitors, and then number two, with, with obviously the, the stakeholders in the, in the industry. So Yeah, they send out a survey at the, end of the, at the end of the conference asking, and I definitely, I did put that on there, add another day. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks so much. Uh, Miss Corey Schaefer from QSC, thank you again for, for getting up early and hanging out with us. Uh, Anytime. How do, how do people find you and or QSC? So QSC.com, um, Corey Schaefer, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, et cetera. And then also at QSC, we have a big YouTube channel. So again, just look at QSC on, on YouTube. A lot of really great videos there and um, find QSC on all the social media, Facebook. We have many Facebook groups, one on QSIS, one on TouchMix, et cetera. Get a lot of great customer feedback there. So look for QSC all over social and look for Corey Schaefer all over social. All right, very good. Uh, Mr. Neville, thank you, sir. You're very welcome. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can find me at Feltech, F-E-L-T-E-C-H dot co dot UK. We're a systems integrator for broadcast and audio visual systems just north of London. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Nevtech27. And in my spare time, if I had some still, uh, I do an aviation podcast every Friday with two of my colleagues. And that's uh, at plaintalkinguk.com. Yeah, if you if you're watching the video, that's why Neville's uh, studio looks better than mine. He has nice soundproofing <laughs> behind him. So, uh, Garish, thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it. How do people find you uh, uh, or our Grand Tech? Well, thank you for having me here. Uh, you can find me at GrandTech.com, which is G-R-A-N-T-E-Q.com, uh, and my Twitter is at the rate Garish Narayanan. Uh, and it's very exciting to be here and that, you know, since, since it's very coincidental, we are actually at the commissioning stage of a very large auditorium using all QSE uh, here <laughs> in, in the United Arab Emirates, right? Uh, awesome. So, yeah. Let me know so, how it goes. Yes, yes. You know, I have actually seen some, some stuff uh, of it. It's very exciting. Uh, it's, it's for a very large university uh, right here. So... Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a really exciting time for us. All right, very good. Well, thank you all so much. Again, 5 o'clock uh, in the afternoon uh, for Grish and 6 a.m. for Corey, and it's been uh, fascinating for me. So uh, thank you all so much. Uh, don't follow me uh, on the Twitters or social media, uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv, avnation.tv, you will find this program and a host of others. Uh, while you're there, please check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, who support us and, and help us do AV Week and go to Infocom. And in about two or three months' time, we'll hit, uh, we'll hit Cedia uh, from San Diego. So all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.